Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. I was a casting director for film and TV and commercials for over 30 years. I transitioned to a celebrity acting coach after I cast a film, New Jersey Drive, with executive producer Spike Lee and director Nick Gomez. I auditioned every rapper from Biggie Smalls to Tupac. And I realized that rappers and musical artists, they needed help transitioning to acting. My clients consist of musical artists from Buster Rhymes to Eve, Missy Elliott, Angela Yee from The Breakfast Club, and Vanessa Simmons, to name a few. I also coach sports stars and host as well. I feel I have the best of both worlds. As a casting director, I know exactly what they're looking for. And as an acting coach, I can coach you to be remembered in that room. Now, I know. I know actors want to get the job. I get that. But being remembered by a casting director, that is powerful. And now it's time for meditation of the day. A good friend is a connection to life, a tie to the past, a road to the future. I have an assistant that I actually went through this process of mentoring her. She interned with me and then she became my daughter's babysitter when she was a teenager. And then she interned again when I was on New York Undercover and worked with me as a casting assistant, associate casting director for over 20 something years. And I met her when she was 12. 
she just had a birthday last week and we were just reminiscing over all the years that I've known her and two marriages that she's been through with me, my son, Miles, my granddaughter, Soraya. And one of the things that I can honestly say about her and growing up with her as well is that when we have conversation about the past, we know that there are no do-overs and we know that we can't go back and change anything. We really work on staying present and seeing how our lives have evolved to this day and how the things that we set up in the past are coming to fruition now in the present, moving into the future. I just want to say that it's always great to have a surrounding of family, friends who can just say to you, knock it off. Sometimes we can get in a place where, you know, we need a time out and we just want to fight the world or fight COVID or fight monkeypox. And it's during that time where you have that one or two people in your life can say, you know what, you don't have it and you're healthy and your family's good. And then it just kind of roots you back into reality and truth. Today, I will embrace the people that embrace me and continue to be in my life. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics. 
as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone to look out for my new show, Inside the Black Box. I'll be co-hosting with the great Joe Morton. We'll be on Crackle Network real soon. I'll keep you posted. Welcome to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. You guys are really, really in for a treat. I am so excited to have this guest on today. Um, we are going to talk about something that we've never talked about on the show before, which is costume department, costume supervisor, designer. Um, she's also a director, writer, producer as well, you guys. You know, we're multi-hyphenated these days. I want you guys to please put your hands together for Monique Younger. Hey, good morning. So glad to be here with you today. Monique, let me just say this. When Elsa sent your information to us, I kept looking at your IMDb.com because I was like, was, was she 12 when she started? What's <laughs> the deal here, right? Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> then I realized that you were from Howard University, HU. And I said, okay, I got it. It's a work ethic. Yes. And it's a work pride. Indeed, indeed. Especially in looking at your earlier credits when we were still in the independent world and, you know, borrowing here to do this and credit cards and all that. So I want to start at the beginning because, again, you look like 25. So <laughs> I'm curious to know how you have this phenomenal resume, you guys. Tell us, where did it start? It started at Howard, honestly. When I got there, I think maybe the second year I was there, or maybe the third, maybe I was a junior, Def Jam came down and they did a program with us. And then we had the hip hop network and all that. So I really, you know, I was into music. I thought I wanted to be in the music business. I went to every conference I could go to. I volunteered for every fair, every conference, every everything, just so I could have that experience and soak everything up. I wanted like all the knowledge and all that. I, I was better at doing all those things than I was at class, honestly. <laughs> I was not an A student, but, you know, I was always on the scene, always trying to, you know, just network and do my thing, honestly. And I wasn't really 100% positive about what I wanted to do, except I knew it was something in music. 
And on graduation day, I was sitting there on the field and I was thinking, what am I going to do tomorrow? Like, I don't have a job lined up. I don't know what's going on, you know, but I went back home to New York and I kept putting my resumes in everywhere. I wasn't having any success at first. And then some of my friends you know, started getting jobs, like just regular jobs, you know, just like at the gas company and all that stuff. And I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I got this degree. I'm about to do something in entertainment. I sat down and made a deal with my mom. I was like, listen, I can't go get a regular job. Please don't make me do that. <laughs> you know, so she floated me until I could get my first job. And I was not taking anything if it wasn't in entertainment. And literally, I go out and pound the pain bit and do all kinds of interviews and stuff. And I finally got my first job at CBS as a page in the news department. And that's a year-long program. And it's minimum wage. But you know what? I learned more in that year than I think I've ever learned about entertainment ever, you know? And it was definitely about hustling. And then (laughs) what I would do is, after work, I had a friend who was in music. And so he would do all kinds of videos and stuff like that. And I would go over to his place after I got off work. And I would literally work all night over there. And then I would go to the gym and take a shower and then go to my <laughs> go to my real job, you know? And I was just always working, always hustling from the very beginning. And, you know, I always encourage our listeners to read imdb.com and to know. But you'd be surprised. Like, it's a puzzle. It really is, right? Because there are casting directors who have been with the same directors for over 25 years. So if you read the credits and understand who works with who, it's to your benefit as an actor. I have to explain it to people that I work with. You know, a lot of the customers, a lot of the crew people that I work with don't even know to go to IMDb and make sure their credits are correct, make sure that they're listed on IMDb. You know, I know people I've worked with for years who, if you go to the IMDb page, it has nothing. And I'm like, how are you not making sure that you're getting the credit you deserve for all the work that we do? I mean, it's great to get a check every week. We get paid very nicely and that's a wonderful thing, but your resume needs to speak for itself. Right. So if somebody wants to know about me and they go in and put my name in Google, put my name in IMDb, they're going to see all the work that I've done. And I don't have to go out and do interviews anymore. I don't have to call people and look around for a job. People are calling me now. Right. And that's because, you know, you you get your name out there, you get your resume out there and you make sure that it stays updated. You make sure that, you know, your credits are right and you can keep doing that work. You just said that you educate people yourself. Then you start to sit back and say, Monique. Not everybody has my work ethic. Not everybody has my quote unquote hustle or passion or drive because the challenges that I find with actors is the work, is doing the work. You know what I mean? They'll read a scene for a self-tape. They'll break down the character. They'll understand. And then they'll throw that away after it's done. It's not done. It's never done. So when actors say, I'm not doing anything, and then the first thing they want is an agent, they don't understand. Once you start playing with the agents, you're playing with the real world, and expectations are really super high. Yes, absolutely. You got to understand that like once you get an agent, that agent is working for you. So now you have to make sure that you're doing the work to keep them being able to get those jobs for you. You know, it's not like I've got this agent and this magic key and I can just sit back and chill. Like, no, you can't do that. You've got to keep going out here, showing your worth in order for them to make it easier for them to get you the job. And when you get paid, they get paid. So hence, they're your employee. You have to do the work. 
You're in charge of your own destiny. And really, that's the bottom line of it all. Exactly. Thank God we have you because you are reinforcing the work ethic because you don't build a resume. You don't build an imdb.com page like this on a couple of credits and, you know, hookups or whatever. I know the work because as a casting director, our work really ends when your job begins. However, as an acting coach, I lived on the set with Buster and Eve and a lot of these recording artists. And so I know back in the day, 14, 16, 18, 20-hour days, mm-hmm. you know, I know your day because your mind is brilliant because the way in which you have to visualize days that are not in consistent order, consecutive days and this and that, um, I want to break that down because I know we have a lot of people who are so interested in this field. Well, I love puzzles. Puzzles are my thing. They always have been since I was a little kid. My mom used to sit me and my sister down. We would spend hours doing jigsaw puzzles, you know, and really I think that's where it starts is that I have to have a picture in my mind. I have to be able to hold these pictures in different places and know how they fit together and where it needs to go. Right. And so when I'm supervising, I think a big part of my job is being able to just predict the future and prevent problems that I see coming down the road. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I get a schedule of things that are supposed to happen and when it's supposed to happen. And I have to know that, okay, I need to be prepared to fit these actors because they're coming in on these days. And then also we have a move that, you know, the truck is going to be moving from here to here. So what do I need to do to be prepared for that thing? And then maybe a customer comes to me and they're like, oh, I'm not feeling well, or I have to have surgery or something's going on personal in my life and I can't be here. And I have to have a roster of people I can call to replace this person for the day or whatever. Maybe this actor can't come in for a fitting at this time. When can we change it? How long do you need them for? And don't forget that the designer needs to be on set to establish at this time, you know? So it's like you have all of these things that you have to hold. I'm getting older now. So maybe like holding it in my head is not the thing, but I've learned that taking notes, like just always writing stuff down is definitely the answer. Look, I'm human and I will forget stuff. And with this job, it really is like five jobs. I'm doing human resources. I'm doing scheduling logistics. I'm doing budgeting and planning. You know, I'm forecasting. So I'm doing a whole lot of things. And if I don't write stuff down, it's over. You know, but that's something that you also learn when you're doing the job. But going back a little bit, just a little bit to the work ethic thing. When I started out, my first movie was ATL. That was my first feature here in Atlanta was ATL. And I came in the door with a resume of stuff that I had done in New York. I had a whole other career in New York before I even moved down here to Atlanta. You know, everything was all production. And when I came in the door, you know, I had my resume. They hired me on the spot. It was great. You know, I was just coming in as a PA. They threw me in the costume department. I knew nothing about clothes. <laughs> I barely dressed well. You know, I was just like, I was a tomboy. It was always some boots and jeans and t-shirts, you know, just whatever. But costumes is a hard department. And we always work our butt off. I mean, it's a lot. People think it's glamorous and you're like, oh, I'm dressing people up and it's fun. No, 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 no. Our job is dirty. It's work. We are maids for for the actors. You know, we're nursemaids, we're nannies, we're cleaning ladies, you know, all, all the things. You get down on your knees to help people with their shoes and stuff. Like it's not cute or glamorous. It's a lot of work. And we have to keep track of people's costumes and what is going to happen with their costumes throughout the day. You know, if you are putting an actor in something, do you have to think about like, is it an action scene? Do we need multiples? Are things happening with the clothes? How long are they wearing it for? Are they in it for the whole movie? Are they in it for just a couple of scenes? When do they change? What, you know what I'm saying? Like, do they take off a jacket? Do they have a purse? I mean, all these things that you have to think about. Right. 
But when I first started in this, a lot of the other people that I started with were in it because they thought this is fun. This is glamorous. This is, you know, whatever. And I didn't care. Going to Howard, we had celebrities walking around campus all day, all the time. I didn't care about like, oh, TI is here. So what? It's a job and we got to get this job done. I was really serious about my job. And I think that a lot of people, when they come in, they think, oh, this is super fun and all this stuff. And they're ready to party with the actors. And you can do that, too. But that just wasn't my mindset. And so when I started here, there had been an industry here for a while. I mean, they were shooting like in the heat of the night here and things been happening. But starting around the time of ATL and all that stuff, when we were shooting Roll Bounce and ATL and all these movies here, uh, Stomp the Yard, all of the supervisors that were coming in, all the people in charge were all people from L.A. and from New York. There was no homegrown Atlanta talent here, like in terms of crew. And so I just kept going from one show to the other, just really busting my hump, just really doing what needed to be done. and. I didn't have to keep promoting myself and talking about it. People just saw it and they kept hiring me. And then when it came time, BET was doing a lot of stuff here, a lot of television shows. And so I was working on a movie at the time and the UPM and I had become friends. And so another UPM called her and was looking for a recommendation for a local supervisor. And literally there were only two in town. And so, you know, they were like, oh, well, I know this girl and she's not a supervisor, but I think she could do the job. And she had no idea. She didn't tell me about her or anything. This woman called me out of the blue talking about, oh, well, this UPM told me about you. And I was like, really? I said, but I've never done this before. She was like, but she thinks that you can do it. She thinks that you're, you know, that you'd be, you'd be great at it. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll give it a try. And that show was second generation Wayans with uh, the, the Wayans boys. And so I came on and started doing that show and literally I got there in the first day and I had been, I had been working as a customer for a while and I was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. So every day when I'm getting into my office, I would call a supervisor that I had worked with previously and I would be like, okay, so I got this job and I don't know what to do. Like, and I was not afraid to go call somebody and say, I don't know what to do. Please help me. You know, and they were gracious enough to really, because I busted my behind for them. They were gracious enough to answer my call to give me advice, to tell me what to do, you know? And I just kept doing that until I finally started getting the hang of it. From show after show, I'd be like, I'm in this position. I don't know what, what should I do next, <laughs> you know? And they always helped me. So it's that work ethic that people see that. And you know, you can feel your heart too, you know? Like you can feel your heart, the sincerity. Like I would help too. I'd be like, what do you need? You know, you, you, you definitely feel that. There were two things that I wanted to say. One, when you were talking about before you said multiples, I was going to say actors, like especially I did Shaft with Buster and the scene with Jeffrey Wright, where he's like, you know, you should have killed me. And he's stabbing himself with an ice pick and the squids are going off and blood. You know, they have like 30 white shirts <laughs> in the wardrobe ready to stage. It was crazy. But that's why I give kudos to the director, producers, the DPs. However, my favorite department in costumes, because when everything is in sync, and the conversation with the director is in sync and the actors, meaning actors, you have a wardrobe fitting. When actors, I always tell that when you know your character so well, you should be able to go in wardrobe fitting and say, no, Miss Younger, this doesn't work for me because my character would never wear skinny jeans because they're blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you understand that communication, right? Yes, yes. 
That is so important. I mean, what you said, it, that is so key because a lot of times actors will come in and think, oh, I just want to wear Louboutins. I just want to, you know, like I see this fancy stuff. I want I want to be able to put on this label and that label. And no, but you have to understand who your character is. Like if you're coming in here and you're playing somebody who's struggling, you're not going to be wearing Palm Angel jeans. Like you're just not, you know, you, you could not afford. I, I was watching The Shy and um, I think at this point, uh, this season, the character Trig he becomes Victor and he's like now trying to be respectable and the politician and he's not dealing anymore. And so there was a scene where he was in front of a crowd and he was talking and they, they had been struggling and he's wearing this rich, fresh suit. And I look at the suit and I'm like, that suit, like literally, cause we got one on the show that we're working on now. It's like $8,000. And I'm like, this character can't afford this suit. I and mean, maybe most people who are watching the show wouldn't even know this, but because this is my job, like I'm looking at this, like, this is so incongruent. He's supposed to be struggling and poor right now. And he's wearing the suit that's like literally at least $8,000. And I also love how I don't know the conversations other than at production meetings. I'm used to being in production meetings and, you know, going department by department. However, I would think that the cinematographer may or may not be involved because there are so many times where I love how there's a scene. I, I can't remember this movie. I have to find it. But there's a scene where it's like four white women. The camera is from the person who opens the door's point of view. So when the door opens, you see these four white women standing next to each other comfortably. And it's a period piece, like let's say the 40s. Behind them, we can tell that it's fall, autumn because the trees have changed. And then when you come up to really look at the women, the way that the costume designer created it, they all have a different hue of fall where it doesn't blend into the background, but almost makes it feel 3D-ish. So do you have conversations with the director about colors and textures of clothes? 100%. Yes. So I'm mostly supervised. I do design on occasion. I'm mostly supervised, but I am in on the conversations that the designer will have with the cinematographer, with the director. I mean, so on a lot of the shows I work on, what I'll do is I'll set up a meeting with the director to just sit down and talk about like what their vision is for a character, where they see things going. What is their economic level? You know, what is the background and say like, okay, I want to make sure that nobody has on anything pattern. You know, so that way they, they're kind of just blending into the background. And so it's really just, you know, I want them in, in hues of brown or gray or whatever. So that way they can really just be background fodder and not distract from the main characters. And with the colors, like what you're talking about, you have to have a very you have to have a very close relationship with the production designer to know what colors are you using and will these colors then work with what we're doing. I think in costumes, what's really great is that it's helped me in production in general because I have to be talking to everybody. You know, my department really touches every single department. We need to talk to the lighting directors to see, you know, okay, what are we doing for lighting for these characters? So for example, the show I'm on right now, I'm on Will Packer project called Praise This. And we have a lot of stage performances. And so, you know, we have to talk to the production designer and the lighting director about what they're trying to do, what mood they're trying to create so we can know what to put these characters in who are going to be performing on stage. 
you know, so that way it's not clashing that if they're having bright white lights that, you know, maybe we're not going to have our team in bright white because it's going to be too much of an explosion for the camera, you know, so it's different things like that. And when you're talking about period pieces, a lot of DPs don't like us to put black people in white on a period piece because there's too much of a contrast on the skin tone versus the clothes. So they like, they prefer cream colors instead of a bright, stark white, you know, so it's, it's a lot of different things that you have to talk about and bring together. And one of the things that as a costume supervisor, what do you suggest in terms of actors finding, like you kind of deal with two people, right? You deal with the actor, the person, then you deal with the character, but you work with a lot of celebrities and you work with the main characters. I want you guys to know this, that she's not dressing extras. I just want to be very, very specific here. You spend a lot of time in thought and imagination and and connecting the dots. But as a person, because these people go to premieres, do you also end up consulting them on maybe what to wear on red carpet? Are there suggestions that you may have for the actor, the person, just to, you know, keep their style together? So usually what will happen, especially with celebrities, is that they have their own personal stylists that they work with. Sometimes for a certain show, we'll have actors who will be like, oh, I'm going to a premiere this weekend. Can I borrow something? You know, and so we might help them out by lending them a piece of wardrobe or something that they have in their closet. Generally, well, we never, we never give them anything that they would wear on camera, but we may have pieces in their closet. And when I say closet, you know, just like we have a range of clothes for them to fit and try on to see where it might work in a scene. And so it might be something that we have that isn't necessarily something that we've said, okay, this is going to work in this scene or that scene. So it might be an extra piece of clothes. So we'll call that the closet. And they may ask like, oh, I've got a premiere this weekend. Can I borrow something from my closet? And we might, you know, lend them out something like that. But generally most of the bigger name actors have stylists that they work with and will provide something. You know, a lot of times we'll have a relationship with their stylists. Like I usually call the actors before we even get started to schedule their fittings and things like that, you know? And so some of the, you know, more A talent, they might have me just call their stylist or, you know, call supervisor or designer they've worked with on a past show to get their sizes. Because a lot of times they don't even know. There's like, um, call my agent, my manager, whatever. But I'll talk to somebody about like what sizes they wear, what kind of things to look good in, what cut, what brand, what, whatever do you think, you know, really works with this. And it just helps us to know their body type and what works for them. And so that way, when they come in for the fitting, we won't have things that are just random that, you know, waste our time in fitting. We really want to be efficient and have what we need in order to fit them. So the fitting is not three hours long and we've only got one piece of clothing, one outfit for them to wear. We want to have like as much as we can done in our first fittings. I can talk to you all day, Monique. Seriously, (laughs) like, you know, I'm looking at some of the texts or the chats here and I know the actors that are on right now are learning, but I just want to big, 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 super time you up. I want to super, super big you up because I don't really believe that people know how intricate your your role is. They don't. I don't even think that the UPMs that I work with understand what I do, honestly. Like sometimes I, I was talking about this the other day. I was like, I really feel like, you know, what happens in our department is the designer, because the designer's out front, gets like, all oh, this accolade and it's, you know, if things go right, then it's like, oh, the designer's amazing. If things go wrong, the UPM's calling my phone, like, what is going on in your department? How come this? How come that? Blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, it's great. Like, so I get all of the flack and she or he gets all of the praise. <laughs> you know? That's like me, Monique. Like as a casting director, we find the talent or we recommend somebody 
the director, the producer. If a camera falls on set, when I was on New York Undercover, I swear to God, they would call and blame us for it. Like, <laughs> got blamed for so much stuff and it's like yo like casting you know but i want to big you up i do because one of my um i spent a lot of time um with the costume supervisor on new york undercover and um learned so much and randomly like it wasn't like i wanted to it was just like i loved him his name was richard and i used to just go on the truck and then as I started to coach celebrities, I would go to their wardrobe fitting and they would ask me to go. And then uh, they, you know, just be trying on clothes sometimes just to try them on. I'm like, your character would never wear that, you know, or, yes, I guess. you know, you should ask them for blah, 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 you know. And then you're in a position to have that conversation because you can't, everybody is not going to have this. Once again, extras, people that are day players, even day players do have fittings, but there's a conversation that's so different when you really have done the work on your character that you can really have with Monique and when you've done your due diligence. And so I just want to say big ups. I'm throwing roses at you. I'm giving you all your accolades. I feel Monique younger. <laughs> And I know that every, I know other people appreciate love your work too, because that's how you work. I appreciate that. I really, I love my job and I'm so thankful. I am so thankful. I really am. It's, it's great to be able to go to work and do something that you absolutely love, you know? Um, and we have hard days like everybody else, you know, it, we, we struggle about different things, but honestly, like I, I'm so, I thank God that I found this because I just don't know what else I would do if I wasn't in production, you know? And like, I've done costume supervising for a long time now and I want to move into other directions. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a lot more. I feel like when I found, I found my voice and now it's like, it just won't shut up, <laughs> which is a beautiful thing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh my God. I love when you say, I tell stories, I watch people, I root for the underdog. I am the underdog. Like, I love that. And I came to New York in 83. So when you talk about Hollis Queens, my daughter's dad, my ex-husband managed, um, road managed Run DMC. So I, you took me back when I first read your bio, I was like, oh my God, but she looks like 30, son. Like, what are we talking here? Like, you know, you look great. You're, you have an amazing plethora of work and we're so proud of you. Hold tight because when we come back, we're going to do class and session and um, we're going to, we're going to get some more insight from Monique. Okay. So we'll be back on the Spirited Actor podcast with me, Tracy Moore, and we're going to do class in session. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore. You are still blessed to be in the presence of Monique Younger. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Costume supervisor extraordinaire. Please check out her imdb.com. It's ridiculous. Okay? Ridiculous. Um, so we are going to go right into class and session. I'm excited. I'm going to turn it over right now to Elsa Lathan, who is our casting director on deck. She's going to bring in some student actor OGs that are going to do a scene for you. Hello, Elsa. Hello. Hello, everyone. How are you? Welcome, Monique. It's a great interview. Uh, so today on class in session, we have two of our spirited actors, of course. We have our now OG, Miss Monet Sharice. Woo. 
And Ooh. our first timer on the Spirited Actor podcast, Miss Amaya Holly. Okay, Amaya. Hey. Yeah, break her in. <laughs> Today's scene is The Sales Floor, written by Dana Keel. Interior, retail clothing store. Michaela, late 30s, folds haberdashery and other men's clothing items when Amina, mid-20s, approaches. Hi. Michaela, right? Yep. What's up? Before the store opened, I was wondering if I could get some tips on working with customers. Didn't you go through the training? I did, but I was just... What's your name? Amina. And I was just wondering, you know... Amina, listen, I am a sales associate, not a manager. I don't really train. The job's not hard. Just pay attention and be nice to people and you'll be great. You are a senior associate with lots of experience and I just thought... Thought I had time to retrain you? Sometimes I get a little nervous talking to strangers and (laughs) it's not that... that You know, so you thought... You should take a job in retail. You may want to rethink that. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. This job. I'm a student teacher right now, which really only pays enough for the rent but nothing else. All right. And fold these shirts. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. Just, just watch me, okay? You're going to, right, you hold, hold it up. And now you're going to fold one side in and then the other, right? You're going to drop that neck down. Not bad. Um, I think I got it. <laughs> Thank you. This is my first real job and my parents are divorcing and things are really tough right now on my mom. You know, listen, I understand. Just do your best and, and you'll always win, I promise. And not bad on the folding. Kayla finally cracks a gentle smile. I've been on my own for, for a while. I had a great, great stepdad. But he passed away, and, and it's been tough for me and my mom for a while. I, I've been doing this job and, and, and saving up so it could help me go to community college. Michaela, my last name is King. Amina pulls out a printout. Cool. My last name is Brooks. So my stepdad adopted me when I was young. I have his name. They both continue to fold shirts. Kayla, your last name was King before you were adopted. How do you know that? Amina shows Michaela the printout. She becomes emotional. We're sisters. We have the same father. 
my mom said he he left for the military and 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 never came back. She she told him he was she was pregnant, but he he never he never. I'm sorry. I, I took this job because I found out about you and I wanted to find you. Amina hugs Michaela hard and sobs. Michaela surrenders and returns the hug. Scene. All right. I'm going to uh, throw it to you, Monique. So whatever feedback you want to give them, they're open to it. Okay. Um, great, great job. I really enjoyed that. Um, I could feel the emotion towards the end. I want to know at what point, I feel like there was a, supposed to be a switch in um, Monet's attitude, but the motivation for the switch, I felt like it came from the script and didn't necessarily feel like it came from um, Amina. And you know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like there had to be something there in your emotion, in your word that made her attitude switch. And I didn't feel that. I felt like her attitude just switched, but it wasn't motivated by um, Amina's words. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, gotcha. I agree. That, that actually was gonna be one of my notes. I, I think that in understanding the full scene now, I think Amaya, your choices as as this character are not to get this job. Your choice is to reunite with your 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 sibling, your family. So it's a different motivation and desperation of you needing to get this job. Not because you need this job, but you know why you're here. I always say this, Monet, uh, Monique. I always say this that. If we, we don't have the luxury, Monique Younger, of waking up and looking at your nightstand and, and grabbing Monique Younger's day mm-hmm. and going through, oh, I'm going to have this dialogue. Oh, I'm going to talk to these. You, we don't have that. But your characters do. And so because of that, you guys read these scenes from beginning to end. So at the end, we know the scene is not about her getting a job. It's about this reconnection here. So I'm saying, Amaya, you need to change your motivation and that's going to help. And I think I'm, I'm so behind you, Monet, there is there that transition. There's a shift. I didn't, I was trying to figure out, did I miss an action? Mm -hmm. But that, that needs, there needs to be clarity there. And I, start, um, I apologize, Amaya, I said your name wrong, but yes. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. It definitely um, definitely makes sense, though, what you were saying. There definitely has to be um, more uh, intent behind. Right. Being, yeah, know. once I understood it once, we, once you guys got to the end. But at that point, I was like, I was trying to figure out where it was going. And I couldn't, um, you know, I just couldn't figure out where the story was going, was heading to. Um, but I definitely felt like, you know, the transition in emotion, it needed to be motivated by something other than just your words. But I had to feel something there. Yeah. A great job otherwise, guys. Excellent. Thank you so much, you guys. Monet, Maya. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, please put your hands together for Monique Younger. Yay! Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And you. You just have, you can come on anytime, seriously. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to give you some love on the Spirited Actor Podcast with me, Tracy Moore.
And now it's time to give love. I don't have to explain myself. My frequency is very common and is open to anybody to tune in. We just recently wrapped another successful season of Inside the Black Box with my co-host, Joe Morton, and some of my friends that came on the show as guests were shaming me on reading the teleprompter, shaming me. And two of my really dear friends who I will not mention their name, they were like, Tracy, Joe is such a pro. And they were like, Tracy, this teleprompter, like, uh, how are you feeling about it? Or come on, Tracy, you're an acting coach. When I tell you the pressure that these two people put on me, and then I thought about it, right? I was talking to my showrunner, this guy, Andrew Lombardi, right? And I said, Andrew, I'm being shamed by the guest who are my friends with the teleprompter. And he said, Tracy, that's what the teleprompter is for. And it was at that moment that I no longer heard the shame that some of my friends were trying to put me through. I actually felt very proud of myself that this is not my area of expertise and being in front of the camera. However, I was working at mastering that quality, that skill. And I felt blessed to be in the presence of someone like an Emmy Award winning Joe Morton to be able to study from. So don't allow people to judge or shame you. Go inside and reinforce who you are to yourself for yourself. Don't forget to look out for us on our new show, Inside the Black Box. My co-host will be Joe the Legend Morton. It's going to be the Spirited Actor podcast on steroids. We'll be streaming on the Crackle Network. I'll keep you posted. Thank you for joining us on the Spirited Actor podcast with me, Tracy Moore. I look forward to our next Spirited podcast. Thank you. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.